You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Joe Fadul. Joe is my friend and neighbor, and when I start the podcast, people would inquire, what's it going to be about? As I explained it to Joe, he brought up how the number 12 is important to him and his family, how it keeps playing a role in his life. Well, I'm all about the synchronicities over here, so I was definitely interested in doing a show with Joe. Additionally, he has dabbled in the world of stand-up comedy. Insert William Defoe's Spider-Man meme here. You know, I'm somewhat of a stand-up comedian myself. And also, I'm always interested in people following their passions. Anyway, a great conversation with Joe. Follow him on Facebook and let him know you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few a family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And today my guest is Joe Fadul. Joe is doing, a oh good. I'm just interrupt the intro, man. I'm not gonna have all these oh, people. I'm like, hey, who's Joe? Who's Joe? I I asked questions earlier. I didn't know <laughs> that you didn't want me to say hi back to you. Been doing it for 42 years. I apologize. That's it. Hi, Joe. How are you? Doing good, man. Good. So Joe is a friend and neighbor. And when I told him I was starting the podcast, he came and we kind of talked about synchronicity of numbers. A synchronicity is kind of like a coincidence, but it's more meaningful to you. And, you know, if if you saw, I don't know, maybe maybe never saw a Lamborghini before or something in person, and you saw two of them at a stoplight, like, wow, man, that's like a crazy coincidence. But maybe you were thinking about buying a, a new Ford Bronco, and you're like, I don't do I want a Ford Bronco, or I want the, the Mustang that came out? I don't know. And then a Ford Bronco comes up, and there's Joe on the license plate. Like maybe that means more to you, and you're like, oh, the world universe is talking to me. It's telling me I should go get the Ford Bronco. So synchronicities are, you know, they're a little hard to quantify. They're a little hard to, you know, justify to the scientific world. But you know, a lot of people, there's, 
the universe kind of works for you or talks to you or, or people find meaning in, in numbers. For instance, I, I call Joe twin all the time. We have the exact same birthday, same day, month, and year. I've never met anybody that had the same. I don't think I've ever met anybody in person who had the same birthday as me, let alone down to the year. You're the second for me, so. Oh, all right. Well, somebody <laughs> has to be your first, I guess. Yeah. I was like, you, you look up the, the famous birthdays and you see someone's born. And it's like George Carlin, me and you. And there's like two yeah. other people, but I never remember who it is. Like nobody was ever born good in our day. No. Well, there's a baseball we change player. history, man. Man. That's what we're here for. Who, who's the baseball player? Kevin Bass. He wasn't good. So it doesn't matter. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Kind of when shapes up kid, my I life. Then. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, mom, I want that jersey. You're like, yeah, he's a bum. He's a bum. What do you want with him? <laughs> they don't make it. That's why. That's how you know he's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't have fanatics back then. You get anything made. It was like, hey, you got like three people to choose from. Yeah. That's it. He was on like 18 right. teams. So, yeah. It'd be rough. Uh, be that's, rough everybody period. wanted him. That's how you know he was good. Everybody was like, oh, let me get a piece of that Kevin Bass. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're only on one team. Nobody's trying that hard to trade for you. <laughs> right. So let's get into synchronicities, Joe. How have numbers, the same numbers, affected your life? And, and how do you connect them to you? Well, I mean, I guess I could just say that, as you know, like your birthday is May 12th. I'm May 12th. So 12 has always just been a very prevalent number with me and my family because, well, I'm May 12th. My sister is February 12th. My daughter is now... September 12th. So her birthday was just yesterday. My mom is December 2nd, which is the 12th month. And my dad is the 21st. So kind of messed it up a little bit. They're in different order, but still one, two. But most of the, it's just 12. But where this whole, and where you and I started talking about this is just so before I used to think it was just a coincidence, but then it got a lot more meaning to me later in life because actually coming up in October, my sister, uh, she she passed away in a car accident. You know, it was very, very hard for me and my family and everything. So when we found out, like when my daughter was born, like she was due, supposed to be due September 24th. And I remember I was out at work at a meeting and it was September 12th. And I do solar sales, which is a boring conversation. Hopefully you don't talk about that. But I got a call from my mother-in-law saying like, hey, she's going into labor. And it was like, I think it was around like 3 p.m. So I was just like, well, there's no, I, I looked at it. I was like, wow, it's September 12th, but there's no way like you hear when people go to the hospital that, you know, it takes a long time. So I was like, there's no way it's like, this kid's going to be born on the 13th. That sucks. But wow, it's pretty cool how close it was. I got home around four. We got her to the hospital at like 530. 6.53, I'm holding my kid. I'm like, it was so fast. And I was like, oh my God, it's on the 12th. So we still have the 12, the 12, the 12 going on. So now like in my head with that, we're just thinking this is insane. You know, it's like, it's the 12 again. But the biggest thing that I would say with the synchronicity, is that the word? I never even heard it. Yeah. I think that's today. the best way to, to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So of it was even before my daughter was born, we, we started house shopping. Like, again, it was a really hard time for us. But when once when we found out my wife was pregnant, it was happy times for us. It took us a while to get pregnant with my daughter. And we were house shopping. We looked at maybe four houses. And then the one house that we looked at was number 12. And the house looked like a total shithole from the uh, the ads. But we kept going to all the nice ones with the nice pictures. You know, they stage it, make the room look huge. You get there. It's like the size of the mailbox. So... We're like, well, this house has everything we want, but it looks like crap. The only reason we went to it is because it was number 12. 
we come, we look at the house, we agree. It has everything that we want. It has a pool, has a basement. She wanted a kitchen that had an island. And I wanted, like, the basement was a thing for me. And then it was a bonus for me because there was a bathroom down there. I was like, great. You know, claim in on the house. We got it. And then the second we got it, we both started getting really cold feet about it. And we're just like, are we sure? Did we just jump into this? Did we really just do this because it was the number 12? You know, like thinking about that. I remember I was at work again. And then my, my wife, she texted me. She's like, hey, don't worry. The house is good. It's our house. We'll talk about it when you get home. So to me, I have no patience at all. I was like, well, you can't say that. I was like, we have to talk about it. So I call her up. I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, she'll like, text you the picture. She's like, look at the date that the house was put on the market. And it was put on the market on my sister's birthday. So at that point, every worry we had about the house and everything just went out the window. We're like, oh my God, we're supposed to live here. This is her like gift to us, like to let us know, like you picked the right house. And then it was after that, that we fell in love with the neighborhood. Like, you know, our neighborhood, obviously we live in it, but uh, you know, it's just the amount of people and friends and activities and things that go on. It's like no other neighborhood. So like, and we didn't even know about that when we moved into here. The 12 thing played a huge factor in that. And then after that, finding out my daughter's then born on the 12th. And then the craziest thing too, not to just keep hopping around, but the 12 also. So uh, my my wife's a humongous Dave Matthews fan. So like every few years I go to a Dave Matthews concert with her. But the original one that I proposed to her at was uh, in Homedale in, oh Jesus, <laughs> 2014. Yes, 2014. I proposed in July. And it was the song Crush. Like, it's both like, I like the Dave's that song. So does my wife. She likes every song, but like that. So when that song came on, that's when I was going to propose. And then we found out, like, and my wife, every time there's a Dave show, she thinks I care about the set list. So she tells me about it. <laughs> and it's cool, you know. And uh, I listened to her, but then she decided to look up the fact that Crush was the 12th song that Dave played that night. And we literally found this out like a couple weeks ago. So again, it was with the 12. So it's just always 12. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it's just 12s everywhere. So that means something to me. I think we have a whole side podcast on why. And I like Dave Matthews. And I actually have seen your wife at a Dave Matthews concert. Why Dave Matthews fans need to tell you all about the set list and about the upcoming show and the last one. And like, this is my 89th one that I went to. I like them. She's been to 75, I think. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. When uh, I went. So I guess I saw her two years ago. That's when we went. And I had not seen him since the very early 2000s. And he played two nights and I went to the first show. Yeah. And I, looked at, and I knew like half the songs. And I looked at the second show and I knew half the songs. Like, man, like somewhere in that 20 years, I, I you know I missed half his catalog, I guess. It was like, yeah. used to go, know every single song. It was all a hit. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, another bathroom break. Great. No idea what he's playing. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing too. So she, I'm a big like classic rock like billy joel guy like that's my, my kind of stuff and so she came to a billy joel elton john concert with me and actually i thought it was just billy joel wasn't elton john also she knew like a handful of billy joel and then she saw she knew almost all of them i had no idea that they were even billy joel so yeah my, my wife lived out there a rock for 40 years because these are like the songs everybody knows it was like uptown girl she's like that's billy joel i was like I'm almost mad that you didn't know that. Right. <laughs> but nah, she loved that she had a good time. Whenever I watch a music documentary, I find myself either like loving the band as I'm watching. It could be like anybody. It could be a, a band that I've never heard of or I hate. And as I'm watching, I'm like, oh my God, this is like the greatest music ever. And yeah. one time, Showtime, they made a three hour documentary on the band The Eagles. And I know like Hotel California, 
and stuff like that. And as I'm watching it, dude, like every song is like, holy shit, that's the Eagles. Like that's the Eagles. Like I never had <laughs> right. any idea. Like so much stuff, man. And uh, but I guess that was justified because they are a good band. And then the documentary like, proved it. Yeah. So twelve is a crazy number. Uh, it keeps affecting your life that way. The first house that I was born into was two twelve, but I think that's really the only like twelve Ooh. connection well, that's that like I the have. That's the two twelve right there. Two twelve. There you go. Yeah. I like more synchronicities with you than I do like with myself with 12. I'm like, oh, like, this is how, how this ties in. Yeah, I, I don't think I have lucky numbers or anything like that that, that I, like speak to me that keep coming up. I never thought about it. I mean, like I always noticed it. Like I said before, it used to be more coincidence. But now, like especially too with my sister passing and everything like that, like stuff means a little bit more to me, I think. And it's just like I, I notice these things now. And it's like the littlest thing. Well, the funny thing, so my wife, like she got into it too. So when, when we got the basement in the house that we had, like, you know, You've seen my basement; it's all finished up, and like I got, she got me like Eagles pillows. She got me a pillow with a number twelve on it that says my last name, Fadul. And like my wife doesn't know anything about sports; she doesn't realize like that's Randall Cunningham's number. He so I have stole to have his number. Conver- <laughs> yeah, so it's like I have to have that conversation with every person that comes down here. She's like, "Why do you have your name on Cunningham's number?" I was like, "Well, let me go into the story again." No, it, it means a lot. There's like stuff constantly that's coming up as twelve. It's crazy. Well, and sometimes I force it. So, like, I got I had to get a new cell phone when I got a new job, and my the first three digits of my number are nine one two, and I did that on purpose. So that's my daughter's birthday, so it's nine twelve. So, you know, sometimes that's a forced one, but I still like it. That that number was available to me, so there you go. So that it was available, yeah. But you know what? <laughs> if things are working in your favor, like, why would you get off that path and like you know shake up that groove? Like nobody yeah. wants the the South Jersey area code. You look at like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> ugly, num- ugly numbers. Yeah. I think that's really cool that, that you have that and that it keeps popping up in your life. And it's, it's nice, you know, obviously it's sad, you know, uh, your sister passed away and, you know, what a hard time that'd be for your family, but that you yeah. have these reassuring things. And almost like from the other side, she's telling like, just direct you in exactly. the right path. Like, hey. That's kind of what I take it as. Right. And I you'll see that these... there's so many signs that people get like, sorry, I keep cutting you off, but there's like just no, so many fine. signs that we get from that. And just when it has that, you know, coincidence in there with it just makes it mean more right we didn't talk about that we were going to talk about this but as i said we kind of branch off on things yeah what are what are your perceptions of the afterlife what do you think happens well it's definitely changed since this has happened i mean like i mean i guess i'm technically catholic and you know i believe in most of that i there's i 100 percent believe there's something after this especially too because part of my grieving process was me and my family we both went and there's some mediums like that we, that we spoke with and there was one that I had that was just full of shit. I was just like, all right, I think there, there are some that can legitimately do something. And there's some that are just in it for money. And this one that we went to was crazy. So it was like, it was a whole room full of people and me and my mom and my mom's friend set it up. So this lady didn't know anything about us. And, uh, we set, we scattered ourselves on purpose you know, we didn't want to be all sitting next to each other. So like I was on one side, my dad and my mom, they were elsewhere. And as we sat down, my, uh, and just for prefaces, my sister was in her car accident. She was pregnant at the time. So, and why I say that is because right when we started, the the medium said to everybody, she's like, okay, think about your loved one. Everybody think right now. And the lady instantly just goes back. She's like, whoa. She's like, I'm getting something really strong she's like it's, it's it's a young woman and she's holding a child she has long dark hair and me and my like we just like sat back and stared at each other like what the fuck you know like like in a, in a good way a good what the fuck so right, like, right, right. oh my god 
Yeah. So like, oh my God. And then she just points at me and she's like, you're her brother. And she's like, I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, so then, and then she points at my parents, spots them and just starts talking to us. And we're just like, oh my God. And the craziest thing. So like a lot of people think, oh, these mediums go on social media. They look up stuff. They find out stuff about your life. This lady had nothing. And she goes to me. So literally like the week before this at home, I have a recliner that I had that, you know, I was going back to recline and it broke. So that big decision in our household was where we're going to get a new recliner. We're going to get a couch with a chaise lounge built into it. So I wanted the recliner. Jamie wanted the couch with the chaise lounge. So obviously, you know which one we ended up going with. Right. So you can always get the recliner in the future. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, but anyway, so going back to the medium too, and the medium goes to me, she's like, your sister, she's saying, and the medium even said too, she's like, I'm not going to know a lot of what this stuff means. I'm just going to repeat what I'm I'm hearing. And the medium goes, she's like, I'm sorry, you lost your couch battle. And I'm like, what at the time too, couch battle. She's like, I guess. And then she like, I wasn't even remembering it at the time, like what she's talking about. She's like, I guess there's a chair that was broken and i was like oh my god i was just like you talk, like she saw that I was, she's like oh my god so i was like yeah i lost the i lost the couch battle yeah i guess i didn't call it that ever but yeah like i you know i didn't get my recliner i got the chaise from there too she knew like so my my daughter's name's aubrey nicole but because my sister was pregnant with a little boy that they were going to name nicholas so we kind of gave her middle name nicole's for nicholas she knew that like we didn't tell anybody that yet and it was just like so we're a mess you know me and my like a happy mess kind of because we feel like we're really connecting and like there's just stuff this lady could not have known and then it's just stuff with my parents as well that's a whole other story but uh it was just that made me really feel like you know i'm gonna see her again and there's books that i read that really made me feel better but i 100 percent believe how about you do you feel that as well or what do you think you got so, crap on my whole story. <laughs> no, no. I, I grew up Catholic as well. So, you know, it was like Pearly Gates and St. Peter and, and all that stuff. And he's got the yeah. VIP checklist and sees if you're on or not. And, you know, I never really, you don't really process like Catholic school or CCD or whatever you might go to. They don't really yeah. get into, like, if I lived in 90 and I die, am I in heaven as a 90-year-old or am I in heaven yeah. as a 40-year-old, <laughs> as an 18-year-old? Like, you know, is, is my daughter, like, you know, whatever. So they don't really get into that. And, you know, as I was going through high school and, and college and, you know, nothing means anything and, you know, we're all just here to die, you know, I, I got away from that a little bit, but then, you know, started thinking, you know, you explore all this nonsense, like as you're growing up, you're like, oh, like the Hinduism has like good points and like, you know, uh, Buddhists yeah. have good points too. So now I'm in the position that there's definitely a higher power that, you know, are we all unified as like one energy in the world or whatever it might be? You know, I don't know. If maybe that's what it is, it it would seem, I don't know. I just find it hard to see like heaven being, you know, it's not physical that you can touch it, but it's like physical that like souls can go there, whatever it might be. Like I find that like a little hard to process. I think there's good in everybody, even though some people are horrible. It also just seems a lot of that seems like it's circumstantial that like they grew grew up in horrible situations and they're a product of a horrible environment for eternity. Should they be in in hell or whatever? Yeah, I don't really know. But what I've come to, you know, Duncan Trussell has a really good podcast, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and he'll have a lot of people on, you know, some culty people, some like super religious, and and Duncan for being a stoner comedian, like he's just read all these religious texts and can just go on and on about them off the top of his head. So at one point, either he said it or somebody was on his podcast and they were talking about soul families, 
and this is kind of what I, I've held on to for the longest now, is that the people that mean something, like truly mean something in my life, you know, my yeah. family, my wife, my children, like my parents, stuff like that. Um, Me. You too, you know, here we are with the, the 512. Like, people, well, all right, so I'll do this part and then I'll whip back around. So I think, like, the soul family that like, we have chosen to be together. And, you know, what that looks like in the future, like, am I always like the father in the situation or the husband or whatever it might be? Like, I don't know about that. Like, could we switch around at some points? And it's just your souls getting experiences, but like, we choose to connect and, and stay together. Now, like, are we always reincarnating at the same time, whatever it might be? I don't know. Yeah. But I also do think that people are put into your life. Now, maybe not everybody, because some people are just like true assholes, but like you do get a lesson out of it. But I do yeah. think that a lot of people are put into your life, you know, for a certain purpose, either a connection or whatever it might be. A lot of stuff I'm I'm not really into the randomness of the world. No, I hundred percent agree. I mean, this is, it's really just life experience that I think makes you molds people to the way they are. It's funny too. So like I mean, we might touch on this later, but I know with, with the comedy, when I did the comedy, my show before my sister passed used to be all about like, I would talk about how bad my luck was and how much like God hate. I had a show called Jesus Hates Me. Like that was the title of the show. You know, that's what I was always talking about. If you would have told me before that, you know, if my sister were to pass away the way she did, that I would be happier, not happier in a sense like this, but uh, in a better place ultimately now, just because if you would have told me back then that she died, I was like, oh my God, I would hate the world even. Like I would hate the world. And I did for like the first week. I was just like, what the hell, you know? But then after that, like I use it as a positive now. So you really got to understand like the things that people go through really mold who they are. And one of the scariest things for me after my sister passed, like I was never suicidal or anything like that, but it clicked for me at one point. I realized there's some people out there who literally lose everything. And then, then you know, they feel hopeless and that they have nobody. And then it was just scary for me that I actually understood why somebody might take their own life. You know, as before that, I was like, how can somebody think that that's the answer? You know, before my sister passed, that's what I would think. And I was just like, how could that be a good answer? And the fact that after my sister passed, that it made sense, it was like scary, but like eye opening that you never know what other people are going through. It's a crazy world, man. You just got to take each day for what it is and just realize that. There's people going through stuff that you don't know that can be could have happened to them 10, 20, 30 years ago and still has an effect on their life today. You know, I, I try to think about that a lot. You'll see all these like Facebook or Instagram posts, and it's always like, you know, like, hey, cherish your children for every second that you have them. And you're like, yeah, like, like I love my kids and I try to cherish it every okay. single second until for like the 50th time I tell them to clean up their playroom and still isn't done. And next thing I'm like, <laughs> flying off the handle, I'm like, why, Brian, like, what are you doing, man? Like, deep breath, step back. But right I don't now, see yeah. like I go from like zero to red and I'm like, oh, like in the moment I'm hating myself for it. No, but I'm the it's... same way. Maybe it's the May 12th in us because I literally <laughs> yeah. get the same way. I could just be totally fine. And then like if I have to tell her something more than three times and like I'm, and you just feel like you're blatantly getting ignored, then you just start being a dick and then you feel instantly bad because they're so cute and little. <laughs> uh, it has to be the May 12th. Like I, oh, I, I can be sarcastic as, as all. And, you know, Casey just absolutely loves it as a, I, you know, like dick mode turns on and she's like, like, what are you doing? And like, I used to blame it on like the Irish Italian mix of like, you know, just like absolute feistiness. And yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It's, it's something with it. And I'm, I'm never happy as I'm doing it. I'm like, what is happening? Me neither. Am I, am I, I actually try to maybe you, I don't know if anybody else does this, but like, I actually, like, I know like the points in my own head, like the things that make me, me like, I don't know what makes me get so mad so fast. And like, I try to like self-diagnose myself as I was like, 
why does this make me so mad when this particular thing happens and just makes me get red. And I don't know why. And it, like, I try to think to myself and try to get better at it and stuff like, like Ikea furniture. Like I hate when I'm trying to put something together that should be simple and it's not something that should be simple. That isn't simple. just drives me crazy. And I don't know why, but it's just like those little tiny things that just set people off. Those Norwegians, man, they just give you all those extra pieces and like, it still works. Like what, what's happening guys? Pre-drilled hole in the wrong spot. makes me want to put a pre-drilled hole in my own head. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that does make it tough. And you know, you're going back, you know, that you, you found, I guess you found like comfort in, you, obviously you don't look forward to or ever wish a sibling to die or anything. And, no. You know, you thought you'd be a complete wreck after that. And then you had to deal with stuff and like, obviously, you know, that's true. But I guess then maybe to see like the closeness that it brought you maybe to the other parts of your family. Makes me and, appreciate life more what happened. I guess you could put right. it that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I perfect world. I could have my sister back, but I think the way I do now with her here still, because I had just a different mindset back then. Yeah. I always lived in the world that like, oh, that, that stuff only happens on, you know, like Dateline NBC, or I even talked about it in my sister's eulogy because my sister had said to me, you know, every time we watch these Dateline shows, it's always the nicest people in the world. My sister even commented on it. She's like, we were watching one episode and she's like, you ever notice it's always the nicest people in the world that get killed on these shows. It's never like, you know, this guy gets murdered and you hear like, you know, well, Tom was a dick, you know, nobody really misses him, you know, like that never <laughs> happened. So like when I was giving my sister's eulogy, I said too, I was it's like, well, look, Aubrey, we're here and you were one of the best people, you know, imaginable. And I think why that is, is just when someone dies, anything bad that you thought about them goes away. Like, I mean, she was my sister. We used to get in dumb brother, sister fights, never anything like super serious or anything, but I don't remember any of that. It's all the good that you remember. So I think that even no matter who dies, just admit it. Like you said earlier, everybody might have something good in them. I think that's just instantly what you go to when they're family or friends. Yeah. And it's a shame, but if we never experienced anything bad, like we would never grow or develop whatever it would be. And right. like if I still had my college mindset now, like just oh how, God. what a missed life I would be like living right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife will tell you, I still live my college life at times. <laughs> you have <laughs> to keep it balanced though. You have to, yeah, yeah at yeah, times yeah. you can always you know, go on vacation to it and, and see what it is. But yeah, you know, to, to watch to, to, whatever, just uh, the mindset in late nineties, early two thousands, like to now. You know, I'm, I'm not always all about the political correctness or like we should always say whatever it might be. But like some of the stuff back then, like just thank God there weren't cell phones. Thank like th whatever. Oh, stupid flip ones. You could take a horrible 512 megabyte picture that you could never do anything with, <laughs> you know, a five second video. But like just thank God none yeah. of that is, is now. I know. It just gets tough. So let's let's switch over to comedy for a little bit. Yeah. How did how did you start with that? Like what happened? Were you always the funniest person in class? Or was no, it? I was the quietest kid ever. I and to this day, I really don't know if I was just shy or my family never gave me an opportunity to talk because most of them don't shut up. So my sister was very talkative. My dad, God bless him, he he's probably talking right now, like to and he could be by himself. He does not stop talking. And it's just, he goes off the rails with these conversations that go all over the place. I think just when I was a kid, I had no opportunity to say anything. So you had to find your lane. You're like, if I'm saying something, like it needs to be interesting to these people. Yeah. 
like I said, my sister was a little older than me. She, my sister was like the most popular girl. She was beautiful. She got great grades. She was like the perfect, you know, kid you could have. And then there was me. I was just quiet. I did, I did well in school, but like, and I got, uh, I was always in, in the popular crowd, mostly because everybody liked my sister. So the guys who thought my sister was good looking were being nice to me because of that. So that helped me out. It wasn't until I'd say one of my friends in uh, high school, just hanging out one on one, like he started like just telling me, like, I would hang out with him. And then one of his other friends are like, well, why do you hang out with Thrul so much? And he's like, oh, he's hilarious. Really? He's like, he doesn't even talk. And then, like, we also started hanging out. And then, like, you know, they thought that I was uh, funny from time to time. And nothing, like, no one ever, like, it wasn't like we had big talks about me being funny. It's just like it just came up that, you know, he's a funny guy. And then I can all I can thank when I went to college is alcohol helped a lot. <laughs> so, you know, it's a whole new group of people. You're starting to open up a lot more. And then one of my buddies there, he was actually a year younger than me. He was in my fraternity. He sort of set me up in a sense that there was an open mic show in, he always said about how funny I was and stuff like this. Cause at parties, you know, I was making people laugh. And then he said, uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, we're gonna go see a comedy show in New York. So I'm like, okay, I'll go. And there was a couple other people that were with us going. So we head up to New York. The show was at like literally like four o'clock in the afternoon. I was just like, well, who's like, this show is going to suck. Why are we going to this? And uh, we get there and I see that my name is on the board as going up. And I'm like, what the hell? And I was not prepared for this whatsoever. I started sweating, you know, and then I'd say my parents are there. I didn't know that. They told my parents. So my buddy Ryan just goes, that's my stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. <This> is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So my buddy Ryan just goes, just tell that story that you told the other night at the party. And I was like, what story? This whole story about an automatic toilet issue that I had. Then I said, I had like one joke in the story that made people laugh. I was like, dude, how long am I supposed to be up there for? Like, just only five minutes. I was like, do you know how long five minutes is there? Like the joke literally takes like five seconds, but I went up there, I did it. And you know, it was when the uh, DJ there or whatever, uh, the host, I should say, she gets up there and she claps. She's like, oh, wasn't that cute? I was like, that's not the response I wanted, (laughs) but I liked it enough to like, you know, I want to try this again, but have, uh, you know, know what i'm talking about and that's when i just started a bit of material yeah. yeah and i started doing it again did a bunch of different clubs up in new york i'd say most notably like jim, jim gaffigan had a show up in new york once and he's he probably would never even remember this he uh he got me a shot of jaeger one day like before a show and just said like that's what i do before i go up on stage like i was just sitting there kind of like thinking about what i was going to I had like it was, there was a bunch of us that had a little spot before he went on. And I went on there. He was awesome. He was kind of really encouraging. He probably didn't even buy me the shot. It just so happened to be there, and I drank it. It's probably his. Yeah, he's like, "God damn kid, just stole my drink." Nah, he was cool. And then I just started doing it, just starting to learn to relax and just you know, it's like, hey, maybe this is the thing. And then in a, I actually lived in New York for a little bit to try to make it like a career. But then I kind of realized, like, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have, like, a wife and a family and all that. I didn't want to be a traveling comedian and all that. But for me, I loved that I, I did what I did with it. Because I actually, eventually, I came back to Philly, and I, was, I started doing hour-long shows that I would promote myself for. And the first one I did, like, 70 people came to it. And then after I did that first one, then I was packing the house. Like, I did, like, about nine or ten of them. And it was sold out each time. I opened for the guy in the office... You watch The Office, the show yeah, The Office. One. Yeah, yeah. The the Black Warehouse guy. What's his name? Daryl. Oh, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. That's what. Yeah. Yep. I opened for him the one day. 
So like I had, well, I shouldn't say open for him. I had a show and then his show was after mine, but sounds like you open for him. Yeah. Well, if you don't think I'm tagging all these people in in my post to get them like to get noticed, like Jimmy at Jim Gaffigan at Craig Robinson, I interview Joe Fadul. Like they're, they're, they're going to find out about this, man. Yeah. But yeah, I went on, I should say I went on before he did. And, uh, I met him for a split second. He was really cool too. Uh, there's other comedians that I met too. Someone that I didn't think were that cool, but I'll keep that to myself just because I'm nobody, but no, overall, then I did that. I loved it. I loved the way I did. I still want to do it again. It's just literally the last show I did was maybe like a month or so before my sister passed. And I just haven't done one since then. But that kind of just not to bring a downer to the whole thing. It was just life started uh, getting in the way a little bit. And we sort of get new home, getting married, kid, all that. So now I think I'll have like a a new show where it's not single Joe anymore. We married Joe. I got tons of crap to talk about now. You know, married life. So this started off as an automatic toilet story with one little joke in there. But you know what? The lady I was like, Hey, that's a cute story. But at least she like recognized you instead of like silence. Right. I mean, like oh, yeah, yeah. from the stuff that I'm hearing, silence is the worst thing. And the joke, then you're doing good. the joke was good. The joke ultimately made people laugh, but it was for five minutes. So like I had nothing else after that. I was just kind of like just talking up there and just hoping people laughed at it. But the one joke was good. That laugh, people laughed at it. Maybe so. you can resurrect it when you start your new tour. You can save that. Yeah. As, I mean, you know. the, yeah. It was the dumbest thing. It was just about I'm the. Let's talk about handicap stalls. Yeah, you can't talk about this stuff anymore. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got canceled before you even started again, man. It's over. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I'm already canceled. So yeah, <laughs> the whole time I was telling that story, I was like, should I tell the joke? Should I tell the joke? I was like, I'll probably get canceled. So no, I had to take down all my stuff that I used to have online. I just took it all down just because, like, who knows how people will interpret stuff these days? So just took it down. Yeah. That's the hard part. And, and, you know, at some point, you know, I, I do this every week. So your episode 26 coming up and yeah, I don't really see it stopping. And I, I enjoy it because we something to do, but at some point this can be like mortifying for Logan and Maddie that they're going to be like, Jesus Christ. Like my dad is just talking for an hour plus. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, talking to Fadul. That's cool. But like talking to the guy who, you know, was possessed by a demon. Like, I, I don't know how that's going to go. We'll, we'll see how that goes in the future. Yeah, no, I want to listen. I, the one I haven't got to listen to your shows that I'm into that is the Flat Earth Guy. I didn't get a chance to listen to that one yet. I want to, I don't know, that just amazes me that some people, that's their thought probably. You you were telling me that he makes some good points, but I don't know. I'm just, I want to hear it. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, I like thinking. I like I like thinking. I think thought is fun on whatever it might be. You know, like, hey, how's this, how do you play this out? What's the game plan here? What are the different options? So his theory, like, hey, I'm on board for it. Let's hear it. I like that. Uh, there's also a million examples of of lies that we've been taught throughout yeah. history, or things that have been twisted, or things that have been whatever. So okay, now you add that plus that. Th- this is very. This is not a, like a great math equation because I'm like, okay, we, we we're here, then we make like a sharp left, and we're going to add this. Um, yeah. And then also, you know, we go to the moon. I. I I, I think we went to the moon. I would say that the footage is 100% fake. That no matter what, we were, we were the United States was racing against Russia. It was you know, nationalism, whoever got there first. And if the astronauts exploded or got stuck up there and the footage was lost, like you kind of lost the race, even if you got there. And if Russia got up there and, and aired it back, whatever it might be. So I have no doubt that, uh, maybe not no doubt, but like I would bet 
that this was filmed <laughs> yeah. somewhere on a soundstage. Those tapes were put off to the side. They sent them up. I'm, I'm, after that, I don't know what happened. Did they really go or not? I don't know. But yeah. for those that footage to come out, I just don't know how you would. You've never been to space, and like, how are you? You know, look on your phone. It's like, oh, keep your phone between seventy-five degrees and one hundred and ten degrees, or it's going to melt. Like, okay, great. You're going into freezing cold space, and then like you're on the moon and the sun. Like, you know, a lot of weird things. But you need the footage, <laughs> so I'm fine by that. Yeah. But then also, you know, there's the space station that was kind of just built. There's no video of it being built. It's like the most amazing thing in the whole world not being built. When they're on the moon, they take a picture of the Earth, but the moon is huge to us, but the moon's a lot smaller than Earth. And then you're on the moon, and the Earth is really small. Like, wouldn't it be a lot bigger? And, and hey, I know there's mathematics and physicists who can explain yeah. all this to me, but also just seems really weird that the giant, this thing that's so much bigger than you looks so much smaller. It's like, it's perspective. I get all this stuff, but they get yeah. 50. $50 million a day or something NASA gets. I don't know where all the money goes. So maybe it's all of them <laughs> up there to show that we don't live on a balloon. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Uh, yeah. I don't trust anybody is what it comes down to. Yeah. My biggest thing with the, just the, the flat earth in general is just why don't they have like, so they always mock all the pictures that are taken of earth and all that, but how, how do they not have one picture? There's gotta be one scientist on their end or someone that's smart enough to figure out how to get a camera up there snap a picture then right so this guy uh, david weiss that i had on he was saying that they were in the desert and this one uh, hey man people are nuts you give them enough free time and things to do this guy made his yeah. own rocket and he strapped a gopro to it and then it shoots up into the sky and then like you hear it ding like hitting like a dome kind of and then it gets in it starts like floating sideways so he, you know he's thinking yeah. it's like plasma or the ether or something and this is on you know, again, video can be fake. This was makes everything so difficult. You know, yeah. uh, video can be CGI. Video can be whatever. But I wasn't there. But I'm being told about a story of somebody who was there. Yeah, and it's it's just weird stuff. And and I I ended the conversation. I don't know what it is. I don't really care. I don't really think it affects my <laughs> yeah, day to day I don't, life. I don't get why people would lie about it either. I don't know. Right. But then the two most interesting things, and again, it could still be a ball. But all the pictures you see of the blue marble you know, of earth being like this blue marble and everything on there. Like they're not real. They're, those are composite pictures that they made. There's not, nobody took an iPhone up and took one picture. So like somebody should go do that. And Neil deGrasse Tyson was on Joe Rogan. And he said that because of the earth spinning and gravity and the oceans being on there, it would actually swell at the equator. And the earth is more pear shaped than it actually is the blue marble. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, that. you're yeah. a scientist. So where's that picture? And then yeah. there was this Indian Ocean gravity anomaly. So I saw this article on Apple News or somewhere, and I jumped right on. I'm like, I got to read about this. This is crazy. And there somehow there's, I don't know, if it was more or less gravity, but like, like sulfur or something was coming up and was like changing gravity there. And these scientists were saying that actually the Earth is more like a lumpy potato shape. I'm in for whatever shape you want to say it is. If it's flat, if it's a pear, <laughs> yeah. if it's a lumpy potato. Like yeah, it's, show it's it. certainly not the blue marble. So send these people up, Elon Musk, whoever you might be. Send them up with an iPhone. Elon Musk can invent his own phone. Do a 360 thing on the ISS. Film the Earth. Just send it back. Shut everybody up. It would save yeah, a lot of time. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my guess so, is like, if, if you're here and you fly to the right, eventually you're going to end back here again, right? Because it goes, that's, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. but Yeah, it's kind of more like a dinner plate. So you wouldn't, 
I guess find out what they think. I'm just saying too, for it to be round. Yeah. I mean, and that is what happens if we fly this like airplanes. You fly that way, eventually you're going to end up at your same location again if you go straight. Correct or yeah. Did you- yeah. So the then I get in my flat Earth of like, well, maybe he's actually onto something. Like flights make more sense to me on like a flat dinner plate than they do on a basketball. Like, so they make more sense were- than me on a basketball. Do they? So if I was flying around the basketball and I went over it. Like at no point my drink spills. Well, like if I'm upside they, down, they like the gravity and all that stuff. So that's what they said. You'll never experience yeah. the curve because of gravity and the flatness and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, so like I'm standing straight up on top of the ball, and China's standing straight up on the bottom of the ball. Can we get a picture of that? Can somebody zoom in and like I'm I'm in for all this amazing crazy stuff. And yeah. you know I just don't. You know, but hey, we just got a new picture with the, the Hubble telescope of of an Earth Earth like planet that has they detected that it has water and atmosphere and all these things. So they did that from a billion miles away. But just turn that Hubble around real quick and get a picture. Of, <laughs> yeah, you know, aim it at ourselves. Right, everybody hold up a sign. We'll spell out something fun. You know, we'll be like, you know, everybody sign spells out USA and Canada and cool. we'll, everybody will be so proud of the world. Yeah, how long did you talk to know. that guy for? Oh, dude, we were going for about maybe like an hour and 15. And uh, he, I think he would have kept going. He, he had a time issue. He thought it was 11 and it was supposed to be for nine. So then at 1030, he's emailing me and apologizing. I had all these screenshots all set up of everything that I went to ask him and like different articles and things. And then we yeah. started going. And I never want a conversation to go, even if there's like more, you know, more blood to get from that stone. I don't ever want to be like pulling teeth. So it was almost like uh, we're flowing yeah. smoothly. I'm in for it. And we were going pretty smooth, but then it was like winding down. And I feel like he still had more to go. He's like, all right, like what more questions do you have? Like I can like disprove. Like he was there to if I was there to bring him, you know, hard evidence to prove a ball earth, he was ready to disprove it. But right. like, okay, well, I don't really have that. I I more have uh, I think more of my proof was almost agreeing with him of like, hey, how does gravity work if there is a gravity anomaly? Or how if the earth is round and it's pear-shaped, why don't we ever have a picture of that? And it was yeah. actually playing more into him being like, exactly, where is this? Like, yeah, man, exactly. Let's go. This whole place is flat. Yeah. So it's it's just weird stuff. You know, you'll you'll see stuff on the news, like Antarctica. The Pope has been there, Bono, John Kerry. They they send them all down to, to Antarctica and they go there for a little bit. And this is all like national news. Like, oh, the, the Pope John Paul just went to Antarctica for two weeks. Like, what are they doing down there? Like, just find all, all that <laughs> stuff. And so it's either that's a pathway to so one of the theories with the flat earth is like the guys like it's a plane it's just flat like i don't know how big it is i don't know whatever it is but like our current earth is is a a puddle a lake and then antarctica is the ice wall that keeps us keeps the water in yeah that's not gonna be water and spill over right so all these people going to antarctica if it's just ice i don't don't think penguins there maybe polar bears whatever it is if it's just ice like why is the pope going there he's Always 90 years old, like not great to be 90 and cold. I bought a, a ton of cold gear and never keeps you as warm. It's supposed to. <laughs> so like you're never gonna be warm. Like Bono wants to go stand on a piece of ice. Like I, it doesn't make sense to me. So either that's a passageway to another pond, which would be like another earth-like civilization. Maybe it's not even earth-like, whatever, another civilization. Or they have the David Grush UFO guy came out. Yeah. And I, I forget the guy who first interviewed him, Holthart or something was his name. And he was then going on Tom further about that there are some ancient UFOs that they've recovered fully intact, partially whatever, and they re- they recovered and brought back to whatever secret base from the analyze, whatever it might be. But there was also a UFO that was so big 
that they could not move it and they had to build a building over it. So well. <laughs> that that was what this journalist was claiming, not even like a UFO whistleblower. Yeah. We like, well, what's different disinformation or not? And hey, maybe this guy's source lied to him. But he went on, he was like, no, this is all the stuff I've heard. This information has been backed up by other people saying, you know, that this UFO was so big. Like, so maybe there's a flash frozen alien society there or something. Like Antarctica was supposed to be warm at one point and now it's frozen. Yeah. How do this stuff works? That's, yeah. That stuff like just fascinates me. That kind of stuff. I don't know. I think it's weird. Yeah. As much as I think it's weird, I don't get why people would lie about it or why it's that big of a deal. That doesn't even matter. Just live on it. Like we haven't, we don't have a choice. Just shut up and well, live. I think, yeah. Maybe. That, yeah, <laughs> I think that's part of it. Uh, yeah. You also see hey, there's a money grab for everything. Anywhere you make money, you know, the government's going to find a way to do that. And if part of it is, hey, we're stuck in here, we can never do anything, you know, maybe that encourages lawlessness or people not to follow, you know, more laws than they already don't. Uh, or to question paying taxes, like, well, if we're just stuck here, like, what are you guys going to do? But if there's always like, hey, we're going to go explore the moon, then we're going to go explore Mars and we're going to go do these things. And like, this is why we need you to give us money. But we never really see like direct improvement from, from money. You know, like our roads yeah. are still falling apart and all these things. You see pictures of Dubai and it's just like this beautiful, you know, what was like being sold to us as like a third world country at one point. And now it's like this is beautiful first yeah, world. <laughs> yeah. And just like all super high glass buildings. And they have, a, you know, a million story building you can play tennis on top of that has an indoor ski slope, like just insane. Yeah. Hey, they have oil money. I get all that stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't know why they would lie to us or, or not. Sometimes I think they're just so far down with the lie that they have to keep doing it. Like even UFOs now, like, okay, well, if you recovered Roswell crash in the 1940s, to just come out and say, like, nobody cares. Like they still yeah. stick to, oh, JFK mm-hmm. was assassinated by Oswald, where like every piece of evidence proves that it wasn't just Oswald. Yeah. I'm big on but that. That's so stuck what my into senior it. thesis was about. On Kennedy and Oswald? Yeah. My senior, I was a history major in a... I wanted. To, I was going to be a history teacher originally when I was. That's in what I wanted to do too, and I was just telling Casey about that over the weekend. I was like, really? I want to be a history teacher. We our birthdays matching up here, zero to one hundred. <laughs> the history teacher, yeah. got to be something, man. Yeah, but my, and my uh, I did write a sick. I wrote like how long? It was like maybe like a forty-page paper or like thesis on uh, it was the President Kennedy, but the last twenty pages was all on his assassination and me just saying how it didn't happen the way people said it did. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, crazy stuff for there. That Robert F. Kennedy Jr. just had this really good interview for an hour. Like this guy's, I don't care what I think both sides of politics are broken and we're never really gonna fix anything. But yep. this guy is like super sharp and smart, and he's just recalling he was recalling all of this like bio facilities that were in like North Carolina and that and that we had, like Fort Detrick, and it's the top of his head, like boom, 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 talking about the, like the 9-11 Patriot Act and the two senators who voted against it. They're the ones that got the weaponized anthrax sent to them that were then tied back to Fort Detrick. So like he's coming out saying as much as yeah. you can come out and say without publicly saying was saying that like one of the three letter agencies got a hold of it and sent it to the senators because then right after that they voted for the Patriot Act. So he's going on and on. He's like, oh, and I went down to Miami and I met with you know the CIA handlers there who were who handled Oswald and like someone else with Cuba, but like just this whole mess. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. for him to come out and call this out. What I found too is that actual the Oliver Stone JFK movie is very accurate with a lot of stuff. Like, cause I had to do like, it was a research paper for school and I was looking up all like these ex CIA FBI guys and getting their stories. I was like, wow, it's just crazy. And I agree with you. I just government both sides messed up. 
<laughs> so yeah, if you're looking for one side to save you, like you're, you're gonna be waiting right, for a really right. long time. Yeah. Right. So we need to like shake up the system as much as possible while still kind of going straight. Like I don't want to go back to the Stone Age, but like we need to right. kind of come back to being together and and having you know like the flag unite us wherever it might be. Yeah. But actually, I guess the way to spin all this together in a sense too is just like saying how. However, the world is just even talk about the numbers earlier. I mean, I think there's, I think everything's connected somehow. I think there's a correlation to stuff. Some stuff I don't think is coincidence. The stuff now that we talked earlier, once losing my sisters, everything as weird as that might sound or whatever, I guess it's a good show to be on. Got weird in here, but yeah. uh, we did some I normal and now we're into the weird. Yeah. Yeah. That would be weird as hell. I think it all does tie in. I think there is something at play. Like, I do think there's something after this. I think too. I don't think it's crazy to think like I. T- I was telling. I forget who I was talking this about. You just look at at what it takes to be alive, like the human body, everything that goes into it, like everything. I don't. I, I think it's crazy not to think that one little part of you is still there after you pass away. Because like, look at atoms, molecules, all this stuff that can do everything to heal the body. All these things that just happen while you're alive. I don't think it's crazy to think a part of you is still there after you pass away, like a soul or something. That's what right. I, Nothing I, can be destroyed. Really, it just gets reformed or whatever it might be, but right. like, all matter Something stays. Happened. Yeah. Something happened, I think. So, yeah, yeah it all and ties into. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I love the idea of sliding doors. You know, like, hey, if you missed a train, like, what would happen if you actually made that train? Like, would you have been on time for your appointment? Would you have run into right. an old friend? Like, whatever it might be. And as respectfully as possible, it would be interesting to see if your family tragedy if you still ended up in the same house that you had like with those numbers just have not even meant anything you're like oh, oh like, i don't think we've even talked about it. we don't even think that we jamie and i've talked about this at length thinking like we we don't even think we'd have our daughter if my sister didn't pass because one the stress so we like i said we couldn't get pregnant for a while because i was depressed i was stressed out my my wife was friends with my sister so it was very hard on her too and the whole reason we even moved to this house, like if we would have gotten pregnant earlier, like two years earlier, like we like we planned, this house wouldn't have been on the market. We would have moved somewhere else. And I'm trying to say this that my juices might have uh, not, you know, had been the same that day, you know, and made my daughter. So I mean, there's there's a, uh, and two, like you got to think the my uh, brother-in-law, my so my sister's husband, he got remarried, and he has a new like uh, another little boy. And like, it's crazy to think like he wouldn't even be alive if my sister's accident didn't happen, you know? So there's, there's positives that come out of it too, but you see all the things that happened just because of one thing and everything would have been different. If I would have been a different person, I wouldn't have lived here. And I really do not think we would have my daughter. Yeah. It's crazy. I I love the idea of sliding doors and you know, how life has turned (laughs) out. Like if I didn't have a shitty sales job, I never would have met my wife. Like I, I didn't, I was horrible at sales. It was my second it was like my second real sales job, phone sales. I sucked at the first one, like never made any money. Like, thank God there was a base and they would give me $300 for a car allowance. And then I took this other horrible sales job. And the only time I ever made it, I think I made like two sales. And one time there was like these auto orders that would come in. I got to claim it before anyone else did. Like I sucked and I was there for a year, but then I met her. And then we talk about, and then I went and worked at casinos and and now I work for the state doing like finance stuff, yeah. budget stuff more. But then she's like, oh, you know, like if we did that earlier, I was like, if, if I did that, I never would have met you. Like I was, I was delivering mail for two years. Right. I had no idea what to do. Like, you know, 
for as long as it took me to graduate school, most people were called doctors by then. Like I was still like yeah. in county school and people were like, oh, you're in like your ninth year of, of county college. Like, aren't you supposed to be done in like two? Don't they just all like kick you out at some point and give you the diploma? Like, I, I guess I showed up for class maybe. But yeah, you, it's... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, same thing with me. I didn't even hit on this earlier when we talked about the comedy, but the comedy is the reason I met Jamie. We went to high school together. Jamie was a senior when I was a freshman. My mom taught at our high school, so my mom had Jamie as a student. They knew each other, but like, and you know, you're just like friends on Facebook because you went to high school. Like, I knew who Jamie was, and I thought she was gorgeous. So I was like, oh, we're friends with this girl, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So then, but then, yeah. then I was doing my comedy shows, and I was putting stuff on Facebook, and I used to do like song parodies. And even going back, I had a song parody about one night with a girl, and I won't get into the specifics of the song, but it was a funny song. It so happened, Jamie, she works in a salon and she heard the song that I, she heard my, my bit on Facebook. And then she heard the song in her salon. She said, she started singing my lyrics instead of hers. So she had randomly out of the blue, just wrote me on, you know, words with friends, like Scrabble on your phone. Uh, that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, uh, back in the day, words with friends used to pair you up with like your Facebook friends and be like, so Jamie and I would play games, but we never spoke to each other. But it was like, oh, yeah, I know him. We'll, we'll play. And then this the one day she commented on the words with friends just saying, she's like, I heard your song. And uh, it's like I started singing mine. And after that, that's what got us talking because she that's heard awesome, the man. song. I think. So I even think, too, if I didn't have that horrible date with this, actually, it wasn't a horrible date, but this so-called incident happened at this date, everything wouldn't have happened in my life. I wouldn't be sitting here right now if I didn't do that. So it's it's crazy. After I release this interview, you might think differently. You're like, oh, you know, like, man, I really wish that went differently. <laughs> really wish this wasn't out there. All right. We'll see what happens. So I want to get back to comedy real quick. So you you did the yeah. open mic thing and then like probably some more open mics, but like when did you start getting like, you know, like, like a goal is like a tight 15, right? Isn't that like the, the comedian's goal? Like if they can just get that and then they could be an opener for somebody. Like when did that happen and then proceed to an hour? Well, actually it was it was weird. So every you always think like New York's New York and LA are like the places you want to be when you're doing comedy. Obviously, living here in New York is closer. But anytime, if you want to get a gig in New York, even like that one particular open mic that I did, like I said, no lie, there was probably 11 people in the audience. It was like a very, like, you didn't have to bring people, just be get up on stage, get used to it. And I did it. And but I, real and quick, I the talked. 11, you went with a couple of buddies and your parents were there. So there was like three people. Yeah, you there's didn't probably know like, yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> a I hobo, think they were uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just the waiters because they didn't have to wait on anybody yet. They might have just sat down, you know, so it was just that. But later, what what they make you do in New York when you want to get on stage, like do a five minute bit, you have to bring. It was like, I think it was you had to bring five people with you. They had to pay cover and they also had to get pay for like two drinks and a meal. So it's basically like, huh? so it was becoming to be a pain in the ass anytime I wanted to do a show in New York to get all this to happen. So that's why I actually moved to New York for a little bit. And then a long, boring story made it where I was only there for like a month, not even. I had to come back. But then I was just like, I really just got to start exploring the Philadelphia market. Because now, like, I've been just writing stuff. And the thing was, when you write comedy, you can't write it out like a story. It's literally just like an outline of how you want it to be. Because if you're on stage and you have it too rehearsed, it's going to sound rehearsed. So you have to do it in like outline form. So I had just, I had tons of stuff. So I, I went to Helium. Uh, there was two at the time that like that was the biggest club, Philly. So I went to Helium and I was like, Do you have any kind of open mic things? 
And he showed me the open mic schedule too. He's like, he's like, you could also just reserve like your time for yourself. Just kind of like have your own show. He's like, but you'd have to promote all of it. You'd have to do all of it. It's like, I was like, well, that's what I want to do. I don't want to just do five minutes. So I literally went from five minutes to an hour just overnight. Just because I was like, I have all this stuff. And I, the first one I did, it was an hour. And like I said, 70 people came to it. It went well. So then I asked him if I could do it again. And basically, we just split the ticket cost. We made like the ticket costs were like 40 bucks, but then they keep 20 and I would keep 20. So they were happy, you know, and people were buying food and all this kind of stuff. So they made they made out with it. And I just kept trying it. And then I, I loved it when the hour showed that everybody was there just to see me. And sure, it was a lot of my friends, but that makes it more nerve wracking when it's all people that, you know. But I'll tell you this, I was more nervous doing it in front of 11 people than 250 you know, in a, in a small comedy club, just because when it's 11 people, you can see everyone's reaction and you're, and it just gets in your head. But when there's 250, you hear the laugh. So if there's like 30 people not laughing at it. You don't care because you heard the big roar of laughter around it, but just doing like 11 people, it's the worst. I'd rather do 3000 than six. It's crazy. Yeah. A lot, a lot of judging with six people. Otherwise you can kind of yeah. blend the faces <laughs> together. So you, you had your hour and then you would, you know, you did it a few times or whatever. Were you putting in new material or were you just refining what you had and then like adding some, like wherever it might be is, you know, not filler is not the right word. It's all quality yeah. stuff, right? But like, are you like, you're, you're tightening it up and then making room for new material or are you like recycling out into a whole nother show? Well, it, it, I'm always, I was always adding in. There's probably, I'd say half, it would be like half and half each time. So I'd do one show the best stuff I'd bring to the next show. And then I'd bring in new stuff from that. And then there's even some other times too, you'll realize sometimes I had one bit where then I ended up talking to somebody in the crowd about something with that bit that made it even funnier. So then you try to make that happen again and it doesn't work because sometimes when it's more natural is when it's like really funny. Uh, Matt Reif, you know, Matt Reif, the comedian. I know the name. Yeah. 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 So we went to his show recently. He's great with crowd work. Like he'll talk to crowds and I could even see it too. Like when we went to his show, like sometimes it's like pulling when you're good with crowd work, if you pick the wrong person in the crowd and they're not giving it back to you, it just puts a lull in your show. So like that's, you just learn from the experiences from previous, like the, I just happened to strike gold the one night, just bullshitting with somebody in the audience. And it was hilarious. And then you try to recreate that again that same person isn't going to be sitting there, but you just try to get it out of them and it doesn't happen. And it was still funny, but nowhere near where you wanted it to be. So then I was like, all right, never doing that again. I'll tell you some of your funniest jokes are the times like what I think comedians, the funniest ones are is when your joke bombs, acknowledging that it bombed. Like, I think that's hilarious. I have some jokes too. Like my friend, he was my roommate in college too. He's he's always said to me, he's like, Oh, you got to say this in your show. It's gold. You know, he's like, I was just like, all right, all right. I was like, I'm going to say it. I was like, I guarantee you, I'll say it the way you want me to. And I bet you nobody laughs at it. And then like I said the joke and nobody laughed at it. But I had mentioned to them in, in the crowd, I was like, there's going to be one joke in this show that's from my friend. And I was like, you're not going to know, like I'll blend it in nicely. But once I say that joke, if no one laughs at it, like I'm going to call it out and the, nobody laughed. And then I was just like, that's the joke. Like, and, it's <laughs> and then everybody lost it because I was like, that joke's so fucking stupid. Yeah, it was the stupidest joke. He wanted to say, like, if racist people, like, if there was, like, a white guy whose favorite color, like, T-shirt was black. That's what his joke was. That was the, that's the joke. <laughs> All right. That's it. Like, around, like, based around yeah. that. 
Like, and yeah. I was just like, that is not funny. He's like, oh, it's all how you deliver it, too. So I talked. I was like, you tell me how you want me to deliver it. And we'll say, I was like, that is going to bomb. He's like, no, I bet you people laugh. So we had a bet. Yeah. And yeah, nah, lost. So. Yeah. I don't have too much experience with, you know, hanging out with the you know, overt racism, racist. Uh, but it <laughs> seems like maybe they're not like so focused on like the color of like fabric and material and more of like a person right. and what they think they stand yeah. for. Yeah. He does. That's why he, he thought it was fun. I was like, that's not yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah but he, it just turned he has like a heart of gold he's like oh you know i, I wear i wear all color shirts i love all the people i've, yeah, I've got yeah. my you know where, where are the guys I, I didn't want to go too far yeah. with that i was like oh this is slippery slope here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know even though i was saying it i was yeah. like God, maybe i shouldn't you get scared to say anything these days but no overall like what you were saying though too like i mean uh yeah i would just bring over the stuff that worked and then incorporate new and then from that again you'd keep just dissecting it to then come up with you know the perfect show I do want to do another one again eventually. I keep I've been talking about it for years, but uh, you know, to have like the married edition, talk about a lot of stuff like you know how wives have signs all over your house now, letting you know what season it is in case you never went outside, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Or at least reinforce it. Yeah, yeah, inspirational messages everywhere all the time. Like, like a walking Starbucks advertisement. They're like, it's pumpkin yeah. spice latte season. You're like, are, are you Starbucks or are you my wife? Like, where? <laughs> Do we live in a yeah. Starbucks? Yeah. Yeah. So every so time things... we're under our... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you're, you're good. No, I was just going to say, like, under our TV, Jamie has a... It's fall, y'all sign. Like, under... And I see it every time I'm watching TV. It's like, I know it's fall. Why do we have to have a sign? <laughs> it's still summer for a couple more days, man. Take that sign down. You know, oh, it's it, not it's... up yet. I just know it's going oh, good. Okay. up. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're just counting down the, the days until it comes up. Yeah. It's be so two day. things that I've always wanted to do. One... I can't sing. Like I, I, it's painful for me to sing. People get no joy out of it. It's embarrassing for me to sing in front of other people. I'll do it in front of like Casey and the kids. The more I annoy them, um, yeah. Uh, like it's not bad. But like I think like being a lead singer of a band would be like you know the tops. Like that would just be like where it's at. I'm too tall too. So like at six three, like bodies move like weird ways. You know if, if you're up there, <laughs> there's like a cutoff at like five ten. Anything above that, have, it's just you like don't have to, you don't have to dance when you. Sing, just moving just like as a front man just moving sometimes like you know you take a long stride and your sure. like, left arm's all the way back there like it's like the the bigfoot video or whatever but you, you don't want that like scott wyland was the best front man I ever saw in my entire life i gave him discredit by saying he was five seven in a previous episode but i look up he was five ten but i guess when he crouched down oh. or whatever he but he was the he was the best if he wasn't a front man i'm talking about sliding doors like i don't think he would i think he was only born to be a front man like that that was yeah. it like nothing else in his life would have been it a lot of the guys are they're like that five seven, five eight, five nine range. You get too tall, like, who knows what we're gonna do? I guess I could do like a, a Dave Matthews thing, like a singer songwriter. You can just stand there and be fine. But like, you know, the the yeah. Axel Rose, the the Mick Jagger type of lead front man who's a showman at the same time. But I can't sing, don't have that in me. The other thing was, you know, I like to think I'm funny sometimes, would be, you know, just work on like a tight seven, tight fifteen and and do a set and see how it goes. Well, if I ever do a show again, you can open for me. Let's get this going. I brought it up. We were sitting at the beach one time at the lake, and I was talking to someone else in the neighborhood, and you came up. I said I was going to do the show with you. I was like, man, we should just do a stand-up comedy show at the pavilion. We should do like adults only. I've got a killer closing joke. I think it's killer. I'm going to say it. It's going to be horrible. I've got a killer closing <laughs> joke. And then this this woman, she like, my husband would open for the open. So we might have three people. Maybe we can do a warm-up oh, to wow. the pavilion one night. Yeah. 
Possibly, yeah. We'll have to make sure people get, are nice, uh, and, nice and juiced up first, though. Oh, get them absolutely hammered. And get hammered yourself. It yeah. helps. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, too. So I was, if I could do it all, I wish I could play an instrument, because I actually can sing, but I wish I could play, like, guitar. Like, if so, I could go back and do anything again, I'd take, like, guitar lessons or something while I was going to give guitar or piano or something like that. Because, yeah, it's not uh, too late, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's way too late. <laughs> they have, I'm, I'm going to wait till Logan gets a little bit older or he shows interest. I, I think you should be able to play a musical instrument. I think you should like be productive in, in the arts, even though I have none of us. But they have, I think it's like, a, at one point a few years ago, it was, it was like 300 bucks. But you could plug your guitar in to this whatever device for the TV. And then oh, it was almost like Guitar Hero. Oh, you have that? So it was almost like Guitar Hero with a real guitar. But why aren't you playing then? That's supposed to be easy. I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like hard. the plug-in didn't work or like you playing it didn't work? <clears throat> like a mix of both. So like mix of both. You plug it in. But if you're by yourself, like it'll tell you to do something. And I'm like, I'm doing it. And it's like, try again. And then you're like, mm, and it's like, like you, I need someone there to physically show me because like, it's telling me I'm not doing it and I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, I'm effing doing it. You know, like, (laughs) and then I was like, I'm done. So I still have the guitar and all that stuff. So I think it hooked up to a PlayStation four. So, okay. Yeah. If you have a PlayStation four, I have the whole thing for you. You're I need PlayStation four first. At that point, I, you know, I could probably just get a a teacher to do it by the time I spend 500 bucks on PlayStation four. So at the guitar center in high school, it's only a hundred bucks right now. Oh man, look at this. I might be coming over to borrow that, uh, that guitar toy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm left-handed in high school. I go to guitar center. I want to play guitar. My buddy plays guitar. I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like maybe I'll try to do this too. And I go there and the most, I guess like affordable, not like the cheapest as like in cheap, but like the, the cheapest of quality that you could get the yeah. cheapest of good quality. Uh, they had an acoustic right-handed guitar for like a hundred bucks. And then the, that I think the absolute just cheapest at all for a left hand, it was 250. So I'm talking to the guy and I was like, I don't even know if like I like this or if like I'm good at it. And he's like, Well, have you ever played the guitar before? And I was like, No, I've never done like any of this stuff. And he's like, All right, well, like play air guitar. So I play air guitar as a left handed person would. And he's like, Well, yeah, you could just switch that up anyway. It's, it's not a problem if you've never done it. And my sure. right hand was not meant to strum. So I did, I bought this. I bought a little book and had like a little tabs thing. I bought the the sublime tabs to walk me through that. Yeah. I was playing Santeria in no time. And I got down to like, I was able to pick like Mary had a little lamb like with a Spanish flair to it a little bit, but I had to stare down at it. But anything real that like required my hand, to like slide down the fret or do like, like I don't even know what yeah. you're calling it. You, you pinch hard, it and slide. Man. Yeah. But I was like, I need somebody reading is not doing it like youtube wasn't as i guess prevalent at that time i, I may have been around them yeah uh, yeah i guess youtube wasn't even around like 98 or whatever uh but like, there was nowhere for me to watch these videos so i gave up my guitar at that point gave my buddy the guitars hey man like this is just sitting on my wall for the last year like do you want this and and never picked it up again so maybe maybe i'll go in and see if we can get the left-handed guitar going we can have dueling banjos man you can but this will be the opening to the opening of the comedy show it would be horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when I was in a elementary school, my mom tried to get me to, I had a saxophone and then I was supposed to practice my sax. I sucked at it. I hated it. And then like we had the big concert the one night, right? And I got, they gave out awards for all this. Everyone did great. Little did anybody know, I was literally sitting in the front row acting like I was blowing into it. Because if I really did blow into it, it would have messed the entire thing up. 
but I didn't do anything just to keep everybody in line. I did not blow into the instrument the entire thing. I can't That's think of the word. Yeah. So you yeah. took fake it till you make it to like an extreme. You're like, I'm just gonna fake yeah. it, man. Like it's something. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> they had us sitting in the front too, and I was just like, you know, blowing into it. Well, you can't see this on a podcast, but but yeah, I, I might put that yeah. clip right there on on TikTok or something. We'll, we'll blow you up on TikTok with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Picked a giant blowfish and and the hand movements of a on a saxophone. <laughs> That's what I wanted. That's, That's what I did this for. Yeah. All right, man. I don't want to take too much of your time. I really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to cover anything else? No, man, I think it'll be t- kind of tight. It's uh, sort of weird how um, we tied all that in. You know, we got off track a little bit with that world stuff, but I think it kind of ties into just thinking how all this stuff kind of pieces together. I think all of it is one thing, like I said earlier. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think the overall arching theme of all of it is like the world's just beautiful. And it doesn't matter what shape it is. And for people to spend a lot of time arguing, even though, you know, there is, obvious disinformation coming from credible oh, yeah, people yeah, allegedly yeah. as they're as they're saying it but to spend too much time being like great prove the earth is flat what does that do for your finances for your taxes for what makes you happy you know not a lot but you know it's fun to think about but i, I think the overall arching sense of this was you know like life is beautiful there there's more to this life than like just nine to five right. and going to the bar on friday where it might be but like, you know, try to appreciate your family where you have them. You know, I, I think that's self, life, you know, enjoying life, enjoy, enjoy it. Don't it. Sit here being pissed off at everything all the time. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in politics, a lot of stuff with everything that you could sit and argue with for days. But why? Why not you just your little Facebook posts or your reels and all this shit you post on social media isn't going to change anything. So why don't you just put it down, go enjoy your family. Like I see guys like these. I'm literally friends with people on Facebook just to watch them be mad at life just because I see how like ridiculous they are with it. Like there'll be their kid's birthday and they're just throwing up like nine 11 conspiracy theories and all this stuff. And whether you believe that or not, and there's lots of evidence to believe a lot of these things, but what are you going to do? Why don't you just put that down and go celebrate your kid's birthday and put up some happy shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I see a lot of mad people. The, the funny thing the other day was they're adding another brewery into, into our town. And then the people are like, how many breweries is too much? Is this turning into college town? I'm like, but did you not go to college? Like, you didn't really go to breweries. You you went to like yeah. the pennant and like beat the clock <laughs> night. And hey, if these breweries are going to start having like a penny a drink for like the first hour and a double every 10 minutes, yeah. or whatever, like sign me up because, you know, some of the six, seven, nine, $10 pours after two, you're like, oh, I'm just going to go home. And hey, you should go home after two anyway and be responsible. But hey, if you have a, an Uber or something, I might be interested yeah. in some of these beat the clock nights that they have going on. Definitely. And what, and yeah. is that true? Is there a new brewery coming? Uh, uh there's a new brewery on, um, the old mayor, uh, somewhere on main street. I don't know. I'll find the article. I'll shoot it over to you. I'll put in the show notes. People, everybody can enjoy our, our new brewery that we have coming through. Yeah. I, I went to a newer one. I mean, it's already, is it already open? Or are you talking about a newer one besides the ones that are open? No, it's, it, I think they just approved it and, uh, oh, okay. it, they might have a North Jersey or, Somewhere in the north, they have another one, and now they're having a, a second location. Yeah, because there's three of them already on Main Street. There's three breweries right now. Yeah, so this will be the fourth one, and people are like, yeah. uh, you know, the the oldest brewery. I don't want to disparage them. Maybe they want to be a sponsor one day. The oldest okay. brewery, they, they can go figure out their timeline. People are like, that doesn't even count as a brewery. Their beer sucks. So people are like, there's really only three <laughs> anyway. I was like, oh, all right. We'll see how that yeah. goes. But yeah, man, I'll shoot that over to you. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. If you ever wanted people to follow you do you want people to follow you do you want to 
put anything out there? What do you, what do you, you want some solar? You want, you want people to call you for solar? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people call me for well, roofing too. You need a new roof and get it for you for free. Show for all people. You get a new roof for free and you get solar. What's the if best way qualify. to get a hold of you? If you qualify. <laughs> yeah. Asterix everywhere. Yeah. Just my phone number. You call me or they, I guess you're going to tag me in this on Facebook. Yeah. I'll, I'll tag you on this on Facebook. So you can put it out, get a hold of Joe. He's on there. He's here for all you. Right. Dude, I appreciate it. I'll see you soon, man. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. It was All right, fun. I'll talk to you. Take care. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.